As we welcome you in for another edition of Chicago's Legal Latte, I'm very pleased to welcome back to our series Brian Warrens, who uh, is a shareholder at Laval Law. Brian has joined us in podcasts in the past, but it's been a while, and he brings a great deal of uh, information and knowledge regarding estate planning and other aspects of law. Today, we're going to talk about managing taxes with estate planning tools. So, Brian, as I mentioned, it's been a while. Very nice to see you. Thanks for being here today. Of course, Jim. Good to see you again. Good to talk to you. Yeah, nice nice to have this opportunity. Um, we do a lot of podcasts with you and your colleagues about different aspects of estate planning. Um, we look at different aspects, tools. Today, we're going to dive into that a little bit. But first of all, let's start because sort of start at the end. When a person dies, which is what we do planning for at that point, in general, what happens to their assets? So in general, if a person dies, what happens to their assets depends entirely on how those assets are titled and whether you have any beneficiaries in place. If you know something, for example, is just in your name and there are no beneficiaries in place, uh, according to Illinois law, governs here is the Illinois Probate Act. Your assets go to your heirs as your law as the law defines them. So from for some people it might be children, for others it might be siblings, nieces, nephews, potentially even further out relations. It just kind of depends on who at that point in time. Okay. And that's in an undefined state. Tell me how estate planning then helps, you know, clarify that. I mean, that's a good point. That's undefined. State planning is you making the definitions and you defining what happens. Um, it's you saying who gets your assets. It's under what conditions they might get them. And it's kind of taking discretion out of the hands of probate court. Now, in the news, politically, we hear a lot about uh, state taxes, death taxes. I think they've been called at, at various times. Um, that's what we're going to talk about today, how to manage those taxes. But again, let's talk general terms. When a, when a person dies, the assets they leave behind that go to those heirs, are, is that considered taxable income in general? Correct. So anything that, that, that you own in your name at your death, it's, it's considered what we call part of your taxable estate, which is subject to estate tax. Um, we always have to think about federal estate tax not all states have state tax. So federally, in 2023, each person has a 12.92, so pretty close to $13 million exemption. So you have to get above that number of assets before you're subject to state tax at the federal level. And once you exceed that, whatever's over that, subject to a flat rate of about 40%. Now, at the state level, Illinois does have an estate tax. For Illinois, the limit is four million person. Um, so we, we tend to have to think about estate tax in Illinois because it's, it's not too hard to get to that level. We include things like death benefit on life insurance, um, potentially ownership interest in the business, uh, homes. It all kind of can add up pretty quickly. And other states don't have an estate tax, like Wisconsin does not. Some states have something known as an inheritance tax, and that's a type of death tax, but it's based more on the relation of the asset or person who you leave assets to, um, as opposed to an estate tax, which is based on the total value of 
So let's talk about estate planning then. Um, when we talk about what you do, I know there's a lot of different tools. There's a lot of different ways that people can set up their estate to have things taken care of. What are some of the key tools that you would use then to help someone manage that potential? So, so trusts in particular, irrevocable trusts are, are a key tool in the arsenal. Um, it's functionally a way to get an asset out of your taxable estate. You're, you have a couple ways to do that. Um, I would say the, the broad name for the strategy is, is gifting. And one of the places you can give to is an irrevocable trust. So uh, a gift in general, you know, is, 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 is say, you know, you give $30,000 to, to a child, you know, that once they have that money, that's considered a completed gift, and that money is out of your taxable estate. Um, irrevocable trusts are another way to make completed gifts, but without giving an immediate right to gift. You know, for example, a child too young. Mm-hmm. So in a local trust, you put money in there and then maybe 30 years later is when they can access it and, and maybe it grows in the meantime. And in the in the meantime, that appreciation occurs outside your taxable state. Um, another tool you sometimes use are LLCs in conjunction with your local trust. Um, but that's a little more of an advanced planning technique. Now, we when we talk about trust, one phrase I have heard is funding a trust. Uh, you can establish a trust, but but my understanding is you have to fund it. What, what does that mean? So funding a, a trust is, in essence, you know, allowing the trust to do its job. The trust by itself is, is just a piece of paper. When you fund it, it's, in other words, retitling an asset potentially to reflect the name of the trust or putting the trust down as a PANDEF beneficiary on an account which, you know, those are two ways to kind of guide assets into a trust so that the terms of the trust will control the ultimate distribution of the asset. Now, help me understand a little bit. We're talking with Brian Warren today, shareholder at Lavelle Law. And again, uh, these conversations, we we only get so far. I always encourage folks to visit LavelleLaw.com. You can meet Brian there, read some of his articles and uh, get a lot of information about topics like the one we're talking about today. Um, so, so, Brian, you talked about different types of trusts, funding that trust. Uh, in 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 the estate plan, I assume that you ex- sort of list your assets and say who gets them or who gets what percentage of, of everything that you own. But you also talked about gifting. So go a little further for me there. Is uh, In my head, when you talk about gifts to someone, it's like I, I could throughout the course of my life each year give X amount to children, cousins, nephews, whatever. Is that different than what you would put in the estate that says this is how things get handled after my death? Where, where am I confusing you there? So they, those kind of work together, gifts during life and gifts at death. They're part of that same total exclusion. So okay. you can make at the federal level, up, you know, per person up to $12.92 million in gifts during life or gifts at death. It's we, it's called the gift and estate tax. It's it's, it's a unified tax. Um, it's a little bit different in at the state level. Illinois, for example, doesn't have a gift tax, so you're not taxed on gifts. So there's sort of an incentive to do more lifetime gifting in Illinois. Um, 
the way that Illinois treats it is any gifts that you make during your life are added back at death, but they only generate a limited amount of additional state tax, I'll say. So, for example, let's say you had a $4 million state, which would be a non-taxable state in Illinois at your death, but maybe you made $20 million in gifts during your life. Um, so that would result in an Illinois estate tax due of about $250,000, So not at all um, what you would expect it to be. Mm-hmm. But... You know, so there's there's a lot of advantages to pursuing lifetime gifting. And now, part of what we want to look at today are, are again ways of managing this tax impact. What about charitable giving? Um, you know, certainly those those levels, whether they're state or federal, many of us are are not going to reach. But there are there are people who do, and and they want to make sure that their money is used in some way. Um, Creating a foundation or setting up a donation. We we at, we see many requests from different organizations saying, "Hey, put us in your will, put us in your estate plan, leave money to us." Is is that a process that you work with then, and, and is that a strategy to use? Yeah, absolutely. So that charitable gifting is is another great strategy for for, for clients who, who wish to make those gifts. Um, uh, the best way to think of it is it's basically an excluded gift. Um, and it reduces the value of your estate. So if you had a 12 or, you know, say a $20 million estate and you gave away $20 million, there's no estate tax that's ever going to pay it on those gifts or mm-hmm. gift tax on those gifts. It's um, how we incentivize that sort of, sort of giving for, for the, for those people more able to do so. Um, so, we speak a lot, you know, I, I guess in general, you know, there, there's no limits on gifts, but there's a, a limit on gifts you can make without being subject to estate and gift tax. For family, generally, you're going to you're gonna have to think about limits. For charities, you don't. Interesting. Uh, before I let you go, the other thing you mentioned early on, uh, and I think it's an important thing to look at here, if you're a business owner, if you own a business or it's a stake in a business shares in a business uh, you mentioned that that could or is taxable um how, what can business owners do with what they have built and what they own so that if they die before they have retired or sold a business that that doesn't become problematic for their families exactly right um there's there's a lot of issues that that can come from not doing proper planning when it comes to a family business see it all the time there might be multiple family members involved with business and you know something happens to a person there's a control and there's a lot of fighting there so i mean part of it is you have to think about planning from the state's tax perspective but when it comes to planning for family businesses we want to plan it any middle family harmony and a business and what the client has worked so hard to build over their lives and protect the employees of that business. So that, that requires, you know, a fair bit of thought, um, you know, conversations that solve these issues. Um, so we do have to think about, you know, whether 
maybe the business gets sold and assets get distributed equally among family mm-hmm. members. If, if, for example, there's no one to take over the business, um, or you know, if there are certain children that are more involved in the business than others, maybe they would get ownership interest in the business at, at the business owner's death, but get less of other assets that are part of the statement cash assets or securities, for example. Um, but all that has to be deliberately done with the attorney to the right documents. And and let's just wrap up then by sort of indicating how and when. Uh, we talked about planning, and, and you just mentioned working through a qualified attorney. Is any time too soon for someone to start uh, working on an estate plan? No. I mean, for, uh, a lot of times, you know, best time is today. Um, you you have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. So, um, yeah, plan today. Get started. Uh, all right, Brian, how about people who want to find out more? Where can they reach you? What's the best number to get a hold of you? Sure. Um, they are more than welcome to call me on my direct number, which is 847-705-9563. Or my email address is bwarrens at lavellelaw.com. That is B-W-E-R-E-N-S at Excellent. Thank you, Brian, very much for being here. It's great to talk to you again, and hopefully we'll get to do it again soon. Sounds great. Have a good one, Jim. All right. Thanks, Brian.